Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 11, in which I interview Ella Jensen, Sir AJMNS of Sweden. But first, the first of a brand new segment I shall call Traditional Golden Dawn Temples. I didn't know 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 I My name's Sean Trotter MTO. I understand that uh, you're with a traditional Golden Dawn temple that I didn't know about before. I am. We call ourselves the Order of the Golden Dawn in the Outer. Um, our mother temple is the Temple of South Amun-Ra, located in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a sanctuary in Salt Lake City, and we'll soon have a sanctuary in Colorado Springs, Colorado as well. Um, so That's we've great. been growing, and uh, our, our website is coloradogoldendawn.com. We've been functioning for about eight years. There's a temple, it's like either called Foth Hermes or... Thoth Anubis or something like that. Yeah, they're Collegium Spiritusanti. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're good. They're here in Denver as well. We visit their group once a year. Oh, good, cool. Um, That's great. And go hang out. I, I try to write yeah. as a dear friend of mine. He's he's one of my like three teachers. Uh, we've talked. We've actually talked about trying to do a couple of joint meetings. Oh, great! Um, and just bringing our two different groups and temples and orders together. Oh, that's such great um, news! Yeah, tell them you know BT. Okay, I'm always looking to uh, expand my circle of friends when I sure. see people's posts and, and stuff that I respect. So yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, my my girlfriend might be a good candidate. She's uh, she's an herbalist, so mm-hmm. she's actually um, uh, I don't know if you there was actually we were working on a book a while back um, with Sam Char- uh Sam and uh, a bunch of other people. To publish a bunch of different uh, Z rituals, and uh, the one that I was going to work on from Julie's influence was, you know, in the Golden Dawn we have, you know, Z rituals for summoning and working with, you know, all the planetary spirits and the Olympic spirits and, you know, all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was taking a different tact, and uh, we've done a lot of work in uh, summoning and working with herbal spirits within the Golden Dawn. Uh, yeah, structure. I like the crossover into the shamanic. I, I I love whenever I hear that that's happening because the thing with the Golden Dawn that you know it can space you out. The the woman who wrote Light Bearers of Darkness that was the temple. It was a one of Zaluski. No, not Zaluski. It was one of Falcon's temples when he left uh-huh. for New Zealand and he left it behind. And then they just then World War One hit. So you know it was a weird time. But they just started doing a ton of astral work and then. Uh, you know, it, it, they just kind of floated away. I think it, they 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 got too far out. But the world, I mean, they it, you know, you say grounds, you say oh, feel the wood, the the pine and 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 ground. But back then, the ground was shaking. <laughs> you know, like it was literally, you know, it was World War One. So I mean, I can see why uh, they went crazy. But they did go crazy. I mean, I definitely recommend checking out Light Bearers of Darkness. It's an example of a traditional Golden Dawn temple where everybody lost their fucking minds. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, it's not the only time it's happened. The salt of the earth and the soil of the earth is, is always a good thing. And but taking it outside, taking the magic outside is always good, I, I, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the first the first spirit I worked with was the uh, uh, the spirit of the white oak. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that, was, that was amazing, overwhelming, incredible, just the, the power that 
that those some of those nature spirits have. And then yeah. the, she was just installed as hierophant of our temple today. Oh, you had your and ceremony today. Congratulations. Yeah, we had our yeah, our equinox was Yeah, uh, tell was her today. congratulations. That's great. Are you taking an office um, or are you sitting as past hierophant? Premonstrator and past hierophant. Okay, cool, cool. She owns a metaphysical shop here in town, Yield Magic Shop. Um, we specialize in herbs and poisons and stuff like that. Nice. And she's a traditional witch, practices traditional witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of her stuff comes from more Mexican hoodoo type lines of, of work. Right. It was uh, good to meet you. Hey, it was great to talk to you. And uh, Likewise. We'll talk I'm again. Sure we'll be in touch. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Have a good day. From the word Ashat, does thy name find its root? O thou goddess Ashira, thou consort of El, Yahoah, Adonai, Baal, thou tree of life, the phoenix date palm, the nurturing mother earth, and lady of the sea, Mifletset, the Vesica Pisces, the bright gate of glory through the darkening skies, Ashira, the sun, the vulva, the doorway whence life issued into the world, thou art the same in the groves of the ecstatic rites. Ashira, to the children of Japhet, Thou art Tamar of the sky, who annually enslaved Dilis Varsklavi, master of winter, the eternal virgin who rides through the sky on a serpent saddled and bridled with gold, Ashira, the queen of heaven, to the ancient Hebrews in Egypt, and Kanayatu Elohim, Berachti, Echtem Le'ahoah Shomron Ulasherato. I have blessed you by Yahoah, our guardian, and his Asherah. Our guest tonight is something of a kindred spirit. Plus, she has a great British accent. Let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Soar. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. Thank you, 93s. Could you tell me a little bit about your name? I'm Sora AGMNS. Stands for uh, Armor Junxit Bos Non Separabilit, which is um, what love has drawn together, more death cannot separate. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's like Amor Vinci Omnia, but different. Bit more stalkerish, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like funny boiling us together, and your stupid breakup idea isn't going to be yes. separated. Damn you! <laughs> this restraining order. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of appropriate because I, I I left. I've been inactive in the OTO for the past ten years, and so and, and recently came back. Okay. Um, to sort of be active in, in the Swedish OTO. And it's, but on um, your terms, no on, on my terms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think I took a pause to let life happen. I right. think you have to do that sometimes. Yeah. Just, you know, like marriage and children and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So my motto is the slightly stalkerish version of, of a Freemasonic old motto. And, I like um, that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm Ben Tiferet, which is simple. It's son of Tiferet. Yeah. Uh, when I was initiated, it, it, that, that name is the name I go by publicly, and uh, that was divined for me when I was initiated into a traditional Golden Dawn uh, temple, oh, cool. the old Z formula. And I think what happened was my mom was the the bigger personality, and I was the 15-year-old boy in the background at the time. Yeah. And so she got Asherah, ancient goddess of the Hebrews, and then her son got son of beauty. <laughs> so, you no, know, that's really interesting because I've been I've been reading up on Asherah on the on this uh, Jewish goddess. Oh, it's good. a really interesting concept because it used to be a big dichotomy because it used to be this big pole standing in the Jewish temple hmm. uh, that they worshipped, like, or they worshipped trees out, and they, these were the holy trees. Right. So from the beginning, the Jewish the sort of origins, it, there was actually more of a tree hugging community. I wonder if that's the origin of Yaquin and Boaz, the, the pillars in the temple. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I wondered. I haven't, I have not thought about it like that. But yeah, now that I say it, that's really, that's really deep. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you want to go a little deeper, the, uh, the, 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 the two, the three lines in uh, Exodus that they draw the Shem Hem Foresh and the 72 names of God from talk yeah. about is the earliest mention of Yaquin and Boaz, where it's the pillar of light and the pillar of cloud. And yeah. it, it's, it was a light uh, to the to the army of Yisrael and darkness to the army of Misraim. So whatever the heck that means. I mean, I, I think there's more to it than just that. Moses was trying to get away from, you know, Egypt, and so there was some kind of magic involved. It's much more about initiation, I think. There might be. I think so there. too. Yeah. I, th I think I think both Moses, Moses and Aaron were sort of symbols of the initiation of the Jewish people into the, into that specific uh, tradition. Right. It's it's much more of a of a. Um, sorry, I get Bible nerdy. Oh no, that's yeah, you don't you don't have to apologize. I'm a bit Bible nerdy myself. Yeah. I think because I think it's so interesting and and it's um, it's one of those subjects that that we try to I don't know. There's two lines that either you're an esoteric into mysticism and stuff and you don't like the Bible and you think the Bible is hogwash, right. and then you, you go the other way and you're like, actually, this this book is full of amazing oh yeah stuff. Well, once you've like interpreted a lot of alchemical texts and then you revisit the book of Revelation, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, I think that's what happened with Crowley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> this isn't what my dad told me it meant. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, is not, this is not Mother Sunday School. What is this? <laughs> but Crowley is one of those interesting... Uh, and I actually had this chat with a sister yesterday about um, is the old hermetic stuff still relevant or or, or 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 has Crowley sort of um taken the old hermetic text and, and, and magic and all that golden dawn stuff um and and maybe transcended and we were talking about chaos magic and and, and how that sort of uh, maybe fits better to Thelema than than other stuff and right. it, there's such a there's such a fuzzy line I yeah, think yeah definitely it's a really I, fuzzy line. I think it depends on the individual yeah like if you ask someone you know has uh has Christianity rendered Judaism irrelevant? You know, mm. if you ask someone in a certain neighborhood in the Midwest, then they'd say, well, yes, you know. Yeah. But if you ask, you know, someone uh, down on Fairfax with the, the with the curly dreadlocks and the funny mm. hat, he'll say, you know, get out of my face, you you blasphemer, you know, or something along those lines. Yeah. Well, but the, I think Judaism is, is really interesting. I find it more 
interesting than Christianity because right. it carries this great, um, I don't know what you call it in English, like great weight to it. What would you call it? Pondus. <laughs> weight, strength, you know, um, um, authority. And, and I think it carries a greater authority because of the, the, the social connotations we have to, to Judaism in, in Western society. Right. So I think we, we as people are more uh, or living in the post, well, post-Christian society, we'd probably think more of, uh, of Judaism as an authoritative patriarch kind of thing. The Magna know. Carta is an interesting read. Um, the Magna Carta. Yeah, there's one part on the Magna Carta where it talks about how to deal with, you know, if a citizen owes money to a Jew and he mm. dies, then the wife is supposed to settle. You know, I mean, and it explains that, but it doesn't mention bankers. But this was like, <laughs> what, the 1200s or something like that before mm. they were distinguishing between the two. And then between that and the Merchant of Venice, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, these days it's a rude stereotype when people say, oh, Jewish Ooh. bankers. But historically, mm. I mean, I think the two kind of uh, went hand in hand. But there was a there was some history where the Templars picked up on that. But I think what it was really was that when Europe was feudal, Africa, you know, Arabia was mm. had a checking system. They they had they had mercantilism. They had yeah. an elaborate, sophisticated system. And so Jews from Spain coming into Europe, they'd look around and go, "Oh wow, that's not going on here." Um, hey everybody, here's this concept called banking. Here's how it works. Yeah. And then they the end up being the banker. And money. Yeah, and then we end up with Wall Street. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> eventually, it, eventually. It it's, it's such a it's such a great like. The, the, but but it built. I mean, the Jewish and the and the and the Muslim now, the, their banking system built on very little interest and uh, if any at all. Oh, it was supposed to be. World, it was forbidden. It's not halal yeah. or kosher to charge interest. No. Exactly. So um, in some ways, I think they'd figured out the whole banking system much better than we have because they didn't make up fake money. Right. They've been like, oh, I've I've kept your money in my pocket now for yeah. about uh, a month, and you've magically. Uh, come up with 20% more. Yeah, and then so, looking some, over somewhere. at Qatar, it's like, how did this happen? It's like, well, you know how you guys are all driving around to work every day? Yeah, well, that's how it <laughs> yeah. happened. That's how it <laughs> happened. <laughs> oh, so that's interesting, from the Bible to the Templars to, to financial Oh, yeah, it's all fully connected. Oh, and, and it seems mm. like, you know, you were talking about Judaism and Christianity. I went through a phase mm. where I became Eastern Rite Catholic, so it was mm. like uh, between, it was the, the Greek ceremony, but Russian style in the Roman church. And the guy who ran it was the like ecumenical director for Los Angeles and right-hand man to Mahoney. And so I got kind of involved in that just sort of to be one level more nerdy, ironic, you know, hipster. <laughs> like I grew up, I grew up, my dad was doing Tibet, Tibetan Buddhist chants. So I grew up going, mm. oh, and rolling my <laughs> eyes back and stuff like that. So when I grew up and, and wanted to rebel, I became Catholic, you know, so. Uh, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but I did become Jewish at one point also. I had a Jewish stepfather. He was in episode ah. one. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so it's like the, when Christianity came along, they included Judaism as the Cliff Notes like background mm. in the beginning, and then like mm. you know going one direction, uh, uh, Joseph Smith is like okay, okay, the Bible, right? Yeah, okay, and also this, and so it's... oh, don't get me started on Joseph Smith. <laughs> but but then I mean seriously, the only the only good thing Joseph Smith has brought to the world is all these hunky Americans that come over here to Europe <laughs> and preach, and we, we meet them in trains and stuff, and they say hello, you go. Yeah. Woo. Salt Lake City has got a thing going. I don't know if it's the, 
You know, seriously, that's the only thing that that for me, Mormon. And I have, uh, I I have the Book of Mormon in my shelf mm-hmm, because me too. I, I find it to me by a door to door Mormon, you know. Yeah, and I I find it so fascinating, mm-hmm. so fascinating, Maroni. Because yeah, it sounds like our work. <laughs> it's not, you know, like I go into the temple and I talk to an angel. But honestly, if I invoke mm. the same angel and it says the same thing in exactly the same tone of voice four times in a row, I banish the fucking thing because that thing. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's like some kind of astral endless loop tape that he stumbled on there. But that, that's I find it so interesting that people buy the uh, buy the the thing because you know uh, people had known for ages that you know um, like Egyptian Egyptian architecture and stuff, and so it was only a matter of time when they conquered America for somebody to to say, hang on. This must have something to do with each other. Right. They, they pro- he, he probably, you know, got a bit of money out of that. <laughs> people's superstitions and people's sort of, oh, that totally happened. Yeah. Yeah, because there's well, he was a mason, so he was fully trained. Yeah. yeah, he was fully trained. When these guys came to my door, I like blew their minds within the first few minutes because they they handed me the Book of Mormon. I turned to page one and I said, so how do you guys feel about the Shekinah? And he said, the what? And I said the feminine principle, the feminine uh, aspect of God in the Christian tradition. It was the Virgin Mary when she was three years old. She walked into the Holy of Holies and the Shekinah descended into the temple for the first time. And it's all in the Apocrypha. Have you guys read the Apocrypha? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, okay, so how do you guys feel about that? And they're like, well, she was a nice lady and all, but we don't really care as much about Mary. And I was like, interesting. So why did Joseph Smith choose the phrase, the presence of God? in the first line of the first page of the Book of Mormon when he is a Mason and would have known that that was a direct reference to the Shekinah. Mm. And, and they both were just staring at me. And then I think one of them actually left the church. Um, he, he just kind of broke down like, wait, if what you're saying is true. And he's like, that's, that's legit. He was looking at the other guy like he was a Mason, like he started taking my side. And so then eventually they were like, well, we've got to go talk to our, you know. Uh, and so they were like, we'll come back in a week. And so, and so I said, okay, yeah, come back. And uh, I'll bring my books out and we'll have a great talk. And so when they came back, the one guy that was starting to turn wasn't there. It was just the zealot and another guy. <laughs> of course, of course. Like, don't send him, don't send him. Yeah. Send, quick, quick, send him into Bible camp. And then all, all he had to say at that point was, did you pray to the Holy Spirit to tell you whether or not the book Mormon was true. And I said, honestly, no, I couldn't bring myself to, in all seriousness, actually pray to the Holy Spirit to ask if the Book of Mormon was true. And he's like, okay, well, if you did, then it would have said yes. And I'm like, okay, I think this conversation's <laughs> over, you know, like, it's like, yeah, you, yeah, that's another interesting concept because I, I've been a lot in, um, uh, taking part a lot in church. I mean, like you, I had a, had a stint in the, but this was in the Anglican church. Mm-hmm. What I find really interesting is that um, some churches have nailed Holy Spirit thing. They've really nailed it, yeah. and 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 it's it's so interesting to see how um, how you can stand in a in a huge church with like five hundred people, and and the Holy Spirit is like vibrant in the room. Yeah, and then you go, hang on, this is some some powerful mojo, you know? Yeah, totally. They, I don't even think they know what what's going on. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're, I mean, it's the, it's the placebo, I mean, a, a non-believer could say it's placebo effect, that mm. if, if you get 500 people all to believe 
that they yeah. somehow are directly karmically tied to this guy who was tortured to death 2,000 years ago mm. and then get them all into it and they all experience the death and then they all experience the sudden Santa Claus, you know, um, uh, resurrection that yeah. together, then that's magic, you know, and that, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, we, we have similar things in our tradition too. The, mm -hmm. the LVX formula, the Isis, yeah. Apophis, Osiris, and the, all, all of that. Yeah. It's just really in your face when you walk into a church that's nailed Holy Spirit, just how close to magic it is, yeah. just how close it is to energy manipulation, etc. If we subscribe to that, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then when so, it's, when it's so, so overwhelmingly absent, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, and, and moving back, I lived in the UK, uh, moved back to Sweden, mm -hmm. um, and started going into churches here and, and sitting in church and going, there is nothing. Wow. There is. It's empty. Yeah. It's just you know, it's it's nothing. And I went, well, okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really, and and I think that was part of my part of my reason of coming back um, was that. Um, I'd, I'd found this, you know, I found this current and, and the current was the, the best place it had been in Thelema. That's where that, it went. Working that kind of, yeah, it's like, whoa, hang on. Yeah. That's where it is. It's really, it's really cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, of course, over in Sweden, we're a little bit more liberated in that way, yeah. I guess, from, from religion and from religious fanaticism in many ways. And that's, I think that's why churches are boring because there's no fanaticists and they're having, you know, <laughs> having placebo effects. Yeah, it's kind of passe. Well, we get the, we get the big, big vacuum of, um, of sort of sectarian atheists on the other hand. And, and atheists are, are cool. I mean, I have complete respect for atheists because I can see that perspective as well. But, the, but, but when they become militant in some way or they become sort of the over that then you lose and we if you if you are into like esoteric stuff then the clues in the name right you you, the, you know the, i found common ground because um for example my my father-in-law is a very you know very particularly atheist and mm. um and he and i found common ground where you know uh basically he feels that yes we're all connected it's one great energy and the stuff that is currently him his body his energy that will live on forever mm. until the as long as the universe lives and he acknowledges that science acknowledges that etc but yeah. him the structure personality and memories that's all in his brain and when he mm. dies that's going to decompose and eventually become dust and therefore he is mortal he does not have an yeah. afterlife that in his own no. mind um, yeah. And so, you know, on my position as well, you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised when I meet you in the Bardo later, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I'll meet you down and, you know, and we'll have some cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Um, It'll be awesome. And, uh, we have the great musicians. But he, but in a way, when he, he confronts that directly. And I think mm. that some people use religion or spirituality as almost a cop-out to mm. not confront that. Like, for oh, example, yeah. if, you know, if someone's a Zen practitioner, then you kind of confront silence, for instance. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe not directly confronting death in particular, but you prob that probably will come up eventually, like in a deep Vipassana meditation. Everything you can mm. think about will come up before you, you get to that silence that's on the other side. And, yeah. and I think some atheists, maybe not just the ones that are atheists just so they can walk around talking shit about their Christian parents, and they're really still <laughs> secretly Christian, but 
they don't want to admit it, you know. Um, but the deep-thinking atheists, uh, I think, are very deeply spiritual people who've confronted the mm-hmm. abyss, where yeah. where a lot of even our kind of people, you know, are playing around in the astral so much and talking about doing magic to manifest on in Malkut that they don't ever even want to look up there, and they just sort of yeah. mouth talk about the abyss because it's kind of hip to know a little about it uh <laughs> you know but they don't actually like throw themselves yeah. into it and and i i find that really interesting as well if we talk about hipsters and all that <laughs> because because a tendency that i found in in in, in our people mm-hmm. is to um to become lost almost at the edge of the abyss and never really gazing into it never really but but they collect stuff so they collect like they can quote 777 by heart and they know all the chapters of the book of the law and they, they, the Grisha is like their, their best friend and stuff. And you kind of go, actually, hang on. <laughs> it's, it's not about who has most books when they die, when, you know, it, it's about whether you, you achieved your, your journey. And, and I've seen a lot of that, a lot. And that kind of, um, that kind of turned me off hermetic traditional magic for a long time. Cause I was like, Really? Do I have to be like these guys? Yeah, that's why I think the solo path is kind of ideal. I mean, I I was actively involved in a group for uh, almost 19 years and then Mm. finally, you know, left as gracefully as I could. And I've been solo since then. Um, Mm. But I mean, and for a while I was just saying, you know what, I'm done with magic and I'm just going to focus on yoga and meditation from here on out. And then people started every now and then they'd say, well, do you want to have a class and do some ritual work? I'll be like, sure, I'll have a class. And then I had to like publicly say okay i'm not affiliated with the temple that i was initiated by these are un- yeah. you know and so then now i have a thing it's called the la sanctuary and it's it's the same thing that i've been doing my mom established it in the 90s and yeah. so you but, get sucked in you yeah get sucked i get sucked in. in but i but i'm doing it on my terms you know i, yeah. I uh, i'll have a class you know maybe maybe quarterly you know where mm. it used to be weekly so yeah. uh so that's different oh, and that's um, fun. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot better. Uh, to, and and I, I've brought in some Japanese Buddhism. So originally it was traditional Golden Dawn. Now it's traditional yeah. Golden Dawn with like Japanese Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism very Ooh. much inter, intermingled. So I'm kind of like doing my own Crowley path. Where yeah, rather, I was just about to say yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Rather okay, than join Crowley. a Crowley order, I joined a traditional Golden Dawn <laughs> order and then went into five equals six. And I did it all too young and there were drugs involved. And, uh, yeah. you know, then, then bringing in crazy new ideas and being heretical and then eventually going on my own path and starting my own school. There was drugs involved. Oh, Hubbard. Don't get me started on Hubbard. Don't get you started on, on, on Mormons or Scientologists. No, and you know what? It's all about these American white men trying to establish a religion on something that some crazy alien told them while they were probably stoning out or tripping their tits off on something. I'm serious. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think it's quite telling that when Alistair Crowley is deeply concerned about your motives and your personality, oh, then yeah. you need to be worried That's about true. who you are. That's true. When, you know, when even Crowley goes, that Hubbard guy, I don't like him. You kind of go, okay. He didn't like maybe. Hitler either, yeah. No, 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 well, oh. But, but you know, when, when but even Crowley But they both liked him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were both no. Crowley fans. <laughs> I know, and, and, and but I love how he's that that's hidden away, and maybe we shouldn't be talking about the big S, but I think 
uh, I think that that legacy needs to be brought up more often. Oh yeah, and, uh, in in my podcast, I'm actually um, I'm breaking down the uh, the tech the technical dictionary of Scientology and Dianetics uh, mm -hmm. word by word. But I'm encouraging people to learn the knowledge and stay away from the organization and uh, yeah. giving people pointers on where to get the straight information. Uh, you know, yeah. my with, that doesn't include the the stupid sci-fi ending. That he had to cap on because you know people were like, okay, I've learned everything you had to teach. What else is there? And he's like, ah, oh, fucking, there's a volcano with fucking aliens, and you're billions of years old. Fuck off, you know. There but, you uh, go. So, it's something, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, John Travolta. Really. You know, I, I kind of liked Tom Cruise up until a certain point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lost all respect. <laughs> Well, the way I look at copyright. it, I mean, you know, probably Moses was, you know, I mean, maybe he wasn't a white man, but, you know, he was probably tripping when he was up on Mount Sinai. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't have his, he was carving on rocks, so he could only write down 10 things where they, you know, Hubbard had people taking notes. And even like Dogen, when he established Zen in Japan, had people taking notes. Mm -hmm. And so the more recent you know, cult leaders have books and books and books like Crowley does. And then the ones yeah. further longer ago have, uh, you know, like Hammurabi or something, or uh, they, they they have less written, but it's, but sometimes they make a huge splash and a huge impact, you know, for better or for <laughs> yeah. worse. I think it's quite, I, I think that's, that's interesting to see what's going to live on because I mean, I studied Egyptology and, and Assyriology and um, at university and found it, deeply deeply interesting what actually happens when we discover these things because yeah. um syncretization <laughs> yeah but but we we rarely reflect that the babylonians uh, or the assyrians had the exact same thought patterns and they they weren't less civilized they had a male system are. they had a male system they had a counting sheep system you know they had they had separation of church and state. They had good drugs yeah. from out of town. They had, uh, you know, yeah, they had a lot of stuff that we that we have that we take for granted yeah. that we got from them ultimately. Yeah, and and we but we but so I think that to uh, to to invalidate their religions by saying oh this it's the oh well it's the because old it's stuff the and... bad guys in the in the Bible because mm -hmm. the, the people next door didn't like them. If we if we took the the Egyptians you know way serious as much as some people take seriously the old testament then the ethiopians yeah. would be the bad guys and then we'd be yeah. hating on them you know <laughs> but it, i think that's one of the big things you do in first year in egyptology is actually comparing source data so you read about the same battle in in, in the egyptian jewish but also in the assyriological and uh, in the babylonian you read about these battles and and, and the egyptians are like those nasty, nasty Israelites, they came here and they, they hurt us really badly. I know. And then they made themselves king. And, you know, there's a whole king list in Egypt. You have this king list that's, that's like hacked into a wall. And there's several, like, years, like centuries that are actually erased by the Egyptians because it was such a shame that the Israelites had actually ruled their country wow. for this time. So they completely erased it. I, that, that's for me, is like, okay, so this whole slaves in Egypt thing? Wow. Yeah. Well, the slaves in Egypt thing, maybe that was because the story that I heard was that the uh, 
you know, basically there's that space in between when Joseph and the Technicolor, you know, dream coat gets, uh, yeah. get, he becomes some important political figure and all his 12 brothers kneel in front of him and they don't know who mm-hmm. he is. And Ben Kingsley's there and everybody's having a great time. And, uh, then later, I guess there's like some number of hundreds of years between that time and the time, you know, and he, he's of course the Pharaoh's right hand man. Cause he can interpret his dreams. And, and then a little later you have, you know, the multitude of, of Hebrews, and they grew too numerous, and then there was a new pharaoh, and he didn't like the Hebrews, and then there was, like, a few new pharaohs, like, he was the grandson of an anti-Semitic pharaoh, and so <laughs> then then he started uh, giving them hard work, you know, and all this other stuff. Uh, I mean, but maybe in those, in that space in between, there's, there's a part where they where they ruled. I never even thought about that. But no. McGregor Mathers was a big fan of, uh, of the idea that, the, that it was the Hebrews that introduced the Kabbalah to the Egyptians. And then that's mm. why the Egyptians are so cool. And then when Moses left, he took it with him, <laughs> you know, but, but left behind what he left behind in Egypt. But of course, I mean, where did they get all that gold and stuff, you know, when they were making, yeah. making the t- tabernacle in the wilderness? Of course, that, but then that was before thou shalt not steal came later. <laughs> So it was probably when they when they were leaving, they were like, oh, we're probably going to need a lot of gems and gold and jewelry to build Stuff. a sacred temple with later, right? <laughs> very rarely get, because they're the baddies of the Bible, very rarely get the balloons. Um, the whole eastern side of, of Israel and, and, and those countries was, was at this point in time, blooming. It was Yeah, it was that was exploding. where civilization was introduced to the Jewish people. Exactly, exactly. So, so we forget, that's probably where they got a bad taste in their mouth about the goddess, though, and why they got rid of Asherah. Yeah. Well, who was such an awesome entity. Yeah. And I cannot read enough about it. Yeah. I, I often get lost in the whole thing. Maybe, maybe because I do, you know, priestess work and, and, and that kind of stuff, and... And so you're constantly looking out for stuff that you can resonate. And I think a lot of people like resonate with Babylon and that whole thing. But I, I get more out of the big mother goddesses that aren't warriors as well. I get, right, you yeah. know, Inanna and so on and so on. Like Kali. I think Kali is probably the better. Um, her, her sides are better to describe the kind of, the kind of priestess role that that seems relevant to me anyway yeah totally i like the idea of ashira because the idea of a goddess in judeo-christianity is so heretical and it's so yeah. so missing and so necessary and like the reason why there's been patriarchy in the west for all this time is you know maybe not because of but it's like correlation causation they took mm. the goddess out of their religion so that they could support their own patriarchy that was already there yeah. so whether the chicken or the egg came first they got rid of ashira and so the yeah. idea of bringing her back and the idea of having jewish culture but not male-dominated Jewish culture, like in some alternate dimension where instead of yod heh it was a Shira that took over and they got rid of yod heh and it was all women running it. You know, it's kind yeah. of a silly thing to imagine, but what if they had kept a Shira? What, you know, or what if we can bring it back? What if, what if we can, can f- focus the lens, just n- not make it up, but find that focus of the lens to where it mm-hmm. all, the, the, the whole picture becomes clear mm-hmm. and we can see the, the roots of that, that where, where, it all separated and went out different directions and became all. Yeah. I think, I think one of the most subversive things is that she never went away. You know, she turned into all these historical biblical 
characters. She turned into Esther. She turned, you know, all yeah, these... Yeah, and Easter. All these, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but all these... Well, that was a cousin. All these, <laughs> that was a cousin. <laughs> Goddess cousin. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a Mormon way. But... But, um, <laughs> but, but she never goes away. She's constantly present throughout the Bible. And that's why we get such a hang-up on, on Mary's and Martha's and, and all this, is that, that it's already explicitly there in folk culture, folk memory. And so they, they latch on to the least, you know, the, the smallest notion of there being any, a feminine. They, people latch onto it. And that's why, you know, the Catholic marriage is huge. Not because, you know, not only because... Well, ISIS was huge. The and then they came in and said, hey, there's something even more new. And they're like, okay, who's the goddess in that one? And they were like, uh, yeah. his mom, Mary. And then they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, so we'll just use the old rites of ISIS uh, catacomb and we'll just uh, have everybody do bread and wine anyway. That's cheaper than what we were doing before. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and they're and in Alexandria, issues. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that, that actually brings us really, really well into the, to the podcast that I'm doing, The Stooping Starlight. Because oh, yeah, that was tell kind us of a little a, bit about that. Uh, we're a few women involved in Thelema and, and um, well, magic in general who, who were like, why, why is there so few female voices out there? Um, because there are. You know, there's, there's not a lot of saved from, like, Crowley Scarlet women. There's nothing apart from Blavatsky, who was really Crowley in drag. I think it's because occult orders don't have HR departments with affirmative action <laughs> and all that. <laughs> I know. But it's, but it's not just that. I think it's... it's um, I mean... It's not that, for example, the HR is lacking in women, because there are lots of women. I think if women are involved in the occult on a hermetic side, on a, on, a, on a higher level than, say, Wicca, are generally really chilled women who don't have much to say. Yeah. Who are like, yeah, whatever. You, you, you blabber on, darling. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just sit here in the corner and do magic instead. <laughs> but, so I want to change that, because, you know... <laughs> We, we've lost so much, and, and I think throughout history we've lost many women's voices um, in the Bible and other writings, Islam as well. Yeah, what would Dina say? There's a book called The Red Tent that's speculating, mm -hmm. it's about the question, what would Dina say? Dina, yeah, Dina yeah. being the sister of the 12 brothers yeah. that became the tribe. Yeah, exactly. But, well, and, and it's so, so we, you know, we're missing this this gap, and... It's, it would be so sad if we in the second century of the new aeon, you know, just blew that all away and just went, oh, we're just going to continue as we've always done. I think we, women have so much to talk about anyway. We, we have a lot to talk about. And, yeah. So your podcast focuses on women in the occult community? Yeah. And it's made by women only. So there's no, no men involved. And that's not because we don't like men. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's really not. It's it's because we think that uh, that there has been a lacking of a forum for women to speak uninterrupted. Well, you saw. I, I posted that picture of my mom and 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 mm -hmm. said, "Okay, everybody, I made an esoteric nerd podcast, and so far I've got nine men and one female." Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I want to I want to actively work to turn that around too because mm -hmm. I think it's just something that. I mean, okay, on one level, when you look at sparrows, and granted, there's a lot of different ways that, that the sexes get along, but when you look at, you know, mm -hmm. any bird, generally the bright one that's loud is the male, and the mm -hmm. one that blends in with the tree to, you know, not get eaten by predators is female. Yeah. And yeah. generally when you're walking down the street, especially if it's a bad neighborhood, uh, you know, a man is 
feeling comfortable and a female is kind of looking over her shoulder because she, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a little more risk for, for her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, there's just generally built in, there's this difference that mm-hmm. if all things are equal, the men will be the ones that are heard. And so there has to be people that actively work toward, you know, making that change like yourself. Yeah. And like, yeah. like, I mean, I'm, and again, I'm, while I am male and I'm the only person involved in making my podcast, that's exactly what the reason, you know, I put the word out and said, hey, you know, I don't want. And it's like, it's not that I want to shut all the men up. I want to keep keep interviewing men. But moving yeah. forward on the podcast, I want it to be a little more balanced. Um, mm. And and I think we, we discussed, I had a really good discussion. It's up in the, in the podcast that's released today is, is a really good discussion about feminism and the Gnostic mass, for example, um, where I think... Uh, a lot of people describe the priestess as a, as a vessel and passive and, and how that has to be like that because of the balance of things, etc., etc. And I think that's actually really uh, unfair to the priestess role because you, you're, you're the one who comes in, especially in the Gnostic Mass. The priestess comes in and she goes, uh, I, I am earth and I am heaven and I send you my greeting. And now I'm going to now I'm going to make you a guy who is going to be able to, you know, to transfer the, the, the mysteries to you. And so she actually she's actually the, the prime mover in the whole thing. It's not the priest. The priest shows up and goes, oh, great. Now let's worship you because you created us all. And I think that's really important to bring out in the in the, in the occult sort of um, discussion. Yeah. And to, to look at, like, I mean, well, that example of the birds is one thing, but there's a lot of other examples. There's, exam- you know, there's seahorses, too, where the man carries the baby. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's examples where the, you know, the, the lioness does the hunting and the man stays home. You know, and, and lies and, in the tree and sulks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and so you know, pe- people with a bias toward wanting things to be like Norman Rockwell in the 50s or something mm. um, will look at a particular kind of relationship in nature and say, see, yes. see, it's natural. Um, yeah. But it's not necessarily. And no. that's not. And also, I'm sorry, what? No, I, I also think that we have to transcend that. If we if we're to go anywhere and, you know, obtain this unity with ourselves and the universe and, and everything, um, then we have to transcend base animal instincts. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And that's what the whole refining process, that's the whole alchemical process is all about and that's what the whole cabalistic process is about is about ascending into this higher consciousness where things like gender is nothing right yeah because all is one and one is all yeah and where where you know race gender sexual orientation and all of these things can be Mm -hmm. part of the diversity that we all share Mm -hmm. and uh, you know the individual expression of divinity as a human being in a particular way. Like uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Vulcan religion and Sarak mm. in, in, in uh, Star Trek, uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations is their, yeah. their main. Vulcans are cool. Yeah. Vulcans, Vulcans are, are really cool. cool. Logical. I, <laughs> and I, and I, I think that's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just, um, it's such a forgotten. I think we we're so busy in in trying to be these children of the new aeon and trying to uh, find ourselves that we forget to look at the macrocosm and back again to this whole getting lost uh, in the abyss, etc. The 
or lost in symbols like if you have a particular this is the like for example if you're looking at you know hermetic kabbalah and then you say Mm -hmm. okay well father mother uh son daughter okay Mm -hmm. well in this ritual you're going to be the daughter so you're you represent malkut and you're the vessel and you're going to receive from the rest of the tree okay and you Mm -hmm. you're the mother so you're going to receive from the father blah 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 and it's like Mm -hmm. okay well that's neat and all but it's like there's more than one way to look at things and you know if you ask the japanese whether the son is male or female they'll say that's the the great mother that's uh, you know and uh and so i mean it in uh for example in in northern europe for the vikings uh the sun was sunna where we get the name sun uh Mm. and she rode in a chariot of fire through the cloudy sky that was always cloudy and she was a healer i can guarantee that it's always cloudy yeah and she was a healer she was a healer goddess or vulva that's the word Mm. for healer if you're female and then if you go down to egypt where it's fucking hot and you ask them about the sun they'll say that's the angry god ra (laughs) maybe not these days but you know but yeah, it's just a different way of looking at things depending on your point of view. So what we come back to is that now we're kind of past those, um, we past those paradigms in some way. Uh, it's very postmodern if we look at it from a cultural history perspective. Uh, that that we we are totally transcending that, and so we need to sort of make the steps to make it so. Especially in such such young movements such as the Lima, I think. Oh, <laughs> I was like I was saying to the to the sister I I interviewed in in Canada yesterday. It's like I I wish I wish we had salons for these kind of things, you know, where we could just sit and hang out and talk about these things and and you know and and really get to depth with it because I think we we also isolate ourselves too much. Right, as, we're scattered as, around the globe, so I mean. We can get yeah, online but, but and feel also, like there's many of us, but you know, there's, it's hard to find a place to hang out with other people who want to talk about this. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true, it's true. Uh, if we look at, for example, the romantic poets, they got awfully, awfully boring in the end because they, all they did was hang out and drink coffee and swear at each other. And, yeah, hence the anti-transcendentalists. <laughs> <laughs> and thalamites, depending on the I have to tell you a really funny anecdote, by the way, and this has nothing to do with, with esotericism or anything, but speaking of the new romantics, uh, we were talking about getting a pet here in my house, and, my, and I was like, well, can't have cats because our son has asthma, and dogs, we live in a flat, so we can't really have a dog if we wanted to roam and stuff. So I was like, well, what can we get then? Well, we could get fish. And, uh, and then we came up to, you know, what, what should we name it? And, and I said, well, I, I've had cats, and I've named them after gods and goddesses. I've had a dog, and I named them... Uh, named him after bishop, after sci-fi, you know, yeah, alien. And, and then he, so what should we call the fish? Now we could call him after authors. And I go, Byron, he could be Byron. My husband went, no, he could be Shelley. And I just laughed because Shelley drowned. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he was like, that's, that's a little bit sad. Let's not, let's not name our fish Byron, uh, Shelley. That would be, that would be very unfortunate. Could, <laughs> Sorry, could come across as a horrible intellectual wank joke, but it was, yeah. <laughs> Although it has been over 100 years, so technically it is funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Time has passed. We can laugh about it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, it, it's, yeah, I think, I mean, at least here in Sweden, it's, um, the, the, the cult community is quite, quite closed and quite separate. Uh, and, and it's been hard to sort of, weasel people out of the out of the darkness that is their own living rooms and, and actually activate people right. um, because people get so lost in this journey of, of themselves so that's my other sort of 
Hmm? Because it's too cold out? It is too cold out, but it's warm and nice inside and you get free heating when you rent a space, you know, so you just turn it up. Yeah. Um, but, um, but no, I think, I think we could really do with, with more community. And that's also why I want to start the podcast, because I, I barely hear from other women uh, that are occultists. Yeah. You know. Well, this will be good because now, you know, if any women are out listening to this, especially mm. if in Sweden, I'll have a link to your site. Do you want uh, <laughs> to let people know your, your earthly name as well? Yeah. So um, I'm Ella Jensen. Um, that's my earthly name. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> and, but you can find us at stupingstarlight.com and, and, and really, uh, even, even men can get in touch. We, we're not, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you can tell us things. I think it's really important as well that, that men listen, because I think if it was only four women and listen, you know, only women listen, then the, the whole point. That's true. <laughs> That's great. Excellent. Well, thank so, you so much for speaking to me on the Esoterra Nerd podcast. Oh, it's great. It's great talking to you. It's Likewise. really awesome. Hmm. I finally get a voice to the face. Yeah, we should do this yeah. again soon. We should. We really should. And um, I will keep an ear out in, in my you know community for prominent Ooh. female thalamites who might make yeah. good guests on your podcast. Ooh. And likewise, but I'll keep an eye out for both. Yeah, any Man, kind of nerd, esoteric nerd. Yeah, I, I know a few. Cool. But yeah, Excellent. I'll work them out of the woodwork for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll talk again soon and uh, sleep well. Yeah, take care. Have a good afternoon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you, Ella. It was very nice meeting you. Special thanks to my cat, Masha, for providing the meowing in the background right now. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the harp transitions. Special thanks to the monks at Mount Koyasana for the intro and the outro. I'll talk to you next time. Namaste. Good night.